there's a podcast, all right? Musings on the gifted and the damned, coming to you from KPJK, where it's all about the bunnies. Drink up. episode we recorded in August of 2019 just as a practice to kind of get used to each other and each other's pacings and um, we just sort of started rambling on about some characters so this is part one of that conversation and coming soon you'll get part two of that conversation we do not introduce ourselves in it Um, we don't have a planned topic so it's just a little bit of a ramble um, but it's a fun, uh, a fun ramble. And then following part two, you'll get Gordon Cole. Oh, well, it has been super fun rewatching them. I'm only on episode four of The Return. But it's like, uh, I'm enjoying it so much more. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. When I wanted to, I was so angry. Goldie knows this already. But I was so like, I was so sad. I was hurt by the end of the return, you know. And I was mad at Lynch Mm -hmm. for, like, manipulating everyone Mm -hmm. (laughs) into thinking that Laura could have been saved and then just ripping that away from us, like, in that scene. But I... So I resisted, I resisted rewatching until now, until after the festival. But now that I know, I feel like I've let it sink in a lot, you know, and I feel so more, much more comfortable with the storyline. Like it makes so much more sense now that I sort of, I, I understand what's happening with the doppelgangers and the switch and the, the ruse with, you know, Dougie and everything. I don't know. It's just been, it's like a gripping tale instead of this like fucking crazy shit that I was just trying to wrap my brain around the first time, you know. But yeah, I don't know. Remind me what the episode four where you asked. Um, episode four. Let's see. Okay, so Dougie just comes back. He just comes to back. He, he's or it's Coop as Dougie. So is it the? It's the part with Jade. Yeah. Yeah, that's the beginning of episode four. Because yeah, I'm trying to remember. Right. And he goes to the casino and wins a bunch of money, and then he goes and he like shows up at the red door at his house, and JDE's like, "Daddy!" <laughs> and um, that's kind of and he meets Sunny Jim. No, okay, episode four is so episode, episode so four. Part- Part three is where he first comes in and 
sort of goes through the socket, right? And then part yeah. four is when he's gets taken home to Janie E. Okay, that's yeah, that's that the one. Makes sense. Yeah. Because I mm-hmm. think between they aired part three and four together and there's two ways you can watch it. Oh. And one of the ways it fades in and out of the casino, like parking lot, in between the two parts. Oh got it. So he's oh. at the casino between the two parts, I think. Well, this is the, he's at home now. He's showing up to the breakfast table with the tie on his head and so the whole thing. <laughs> so fun and ridiculous. So fun, yeah. And Christabel, okay, the, the Christabel and they've gone to investigate Evil Coop, mm. who got in the accident and has been put in jail. So it's the introduction of Christabel and, um, how are you feeling yeah. about Sam? She makes me angry, and I can't, like, I never, Goldie, you are always, like, you're always a supporter so from day I, one. But this I, is interesting. Let's talk about Tammy Preston. Okay. I want to hear about all the frustration, and then I want to tell you about my experience with this character. Oh, okay. So well, what don't you like Anna? other than how <laughs> wide her hips are? No, I like her hips. I like her hips. I can't handle her overt sexuality, you know, dripping all over the place. Maybe if she was a better actress, she could have pulled it off. Okay, good question. First question for you, Jana. Is she a bad actor, or is David Lynch really bad at writing her character? Probably a little bit of both. He probably wrote her really one-dimensionally, you know, because he's sort of a misogynist. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. say sort of. <laughs> I wasn't sure how that was going to go down. But I, but yeah, I, I just, I think that possibly, I was thinking about it today. I think possibly he wrote that character thinking she could be, because he, he has such an obsession with the night, the 1950s, 1940s kind of look, you know, the old school, um, kind of Pulp Fiction style, you know, basic characters. And she probably, he probably wrote that character to fit that kind of like, you know, naughty detective lady who's really smart. <laughs> and it's not like I am, have a problem with overt sexuality in general. Like I love that but- French woman. Jesus Christ. That French woman, crazy. I can't wait to do an episode about oh. her. But I cannot stand, I, I, Tammy just doesn't cut it. She just doesn't cut it. It's like she's over there, like, moving her lips constantly, like this. And it's like, I don't understand what the fuck that's all about. Because <laughs> she thinks it can't, I don't, she's just not a good actress. And she can't pull off that, even that basic kind of Pulp Fiction character. Is she the girl Coop? Because he's sexy. No. I don't think You don't so. think that if Cooper was a woman, he'd look as hot as her? He's a little bit more, like, um, down-home Americana, kind of. She's way more exotic than that. He's more vanilla, and not that vanilla's bad. He's vanilla bean, and she's, like, death by chocolate. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if Gordon Cole was a woman... Who hired Cooper? Would the girl Gordon uh, Gordon like gawk at him? 
Yeah. I think. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I see what you're Bridge the pain of watching her into the idea that he only hires sexy FBI agents. Right. Right. So and, I don't know how either like, of you feel about the idea that the author is dead, right? The theory that once the thing, the creation is put out into the world, there is no longer, not that we can't consider who the author was, because that can be really important, especially if they're minorities. But the fact that um, whatever the author created no longer has any bearings on what they thought they were creating, right? We can no longer go back and ask David, what did you think about so-and-so, right? can only take her in her context as who she is as the character, Right. Which is difficult to do. You're talking about a TV show with actors and all that kind of stuff. So Tammy is actually in here. Is so she? she shows up in Mark Frost's book, which to me means that she's both a Mark Frost and a David Lynch character. In here, she's super smart. She's really, really intelligent. She is super nerdy. She's Albert level intelligent. Same with this one. Right. She is the one that's writing, composing these forward letters. So she's going through all this stuff and trying to figure everything out. We already know the answers, but she's trying to figure it out. So Mark Frost creates this really, really intelligent character. Right. And then casts, well, David casts this really flaming, hot, charismatic, beautiful woman. And our culture has a really, really tricky time putting those two things together together really mm. difficult and this is not the viewer's problem to solve this is the creator's problem to solve and they neglected to tie those two together really Truly. neglected yeah i mean there's lines where you know when he goes to see um sorry everyone's name is escaping me but it's david DeCovney when he goes to see it's her denise bryson denise, yeah and he's like defending his reasoning for taking Tammy with him on to go mm-hmm. see Coop and mm-hmm. and he makes a case for her like oh she's you know she's 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 got the stuff she can do it and I'm like there's no evidence that she's got any stuff mm-hmm. like that line doesn't have there's nothing to back that up except that she's super sexy and that's yeah. it's so what really what really put me off her character from the TV show was how f- smart I thought she was in the book Right. Like, like she they, came across as like, and obviously the picture of being like more of a like a a like a um a Cooper type of character, like really forward thinking, almost more like an Audrey, right? Uh-huh. Really go get him, really forward thinking, really aggressive with her her detection, and she does discover a few things throughout the series, but nothing so bright that everyone else doesn't already know about it. Right. So it's like she's being tested or trialed the whole time instead of being allowed to be both sexy and intelligent. Mm-hmm. She's only allowed to be One. sexy, just smart enough to just yeah. being there, which is so frustrating. Right. It's like they missed a really golden opportunity. They had it there. They could have let her play really smart and let her actually make some discoveries, but they mm-hmm. didn't. She didn't discover anything at all, right? Yeah, I, I guess I just never, I don't understand why she's there. I think I just feel like she's in the way the whole time. 
Yeah. But I told you what tell season four when she comes back and she <laughs> right. the task force. She'll have a lot to say. <laughs> but then I got to meet Krista Bell. Mm. And oh my God, did I fall hard. <laughs> Because let me tell you, in person, she has got so much charisma and glow, and she's very, very aware of how she moves. Like, she's made of glass, right? Which you kind of get from the show. Yeah, but yeah. watch her perform, it's like she's really, really powerful and strong, but, like, if she bends the wrong way, she's going to crack and break. It's a wow. very, very genuine way of being for her, right? That, like, constant motion. She's like water. And I fell so hard in love for Christabel that it made me like Tammy more, which I hate because I like to separate the creator from the creation. Mm-hmm. But now I can't because I have a huge crush on Christabel. <laughs> It's genuine. She like like I can feel my heartbeat like you know increase when she was in the room just because she's so like magnetic. It was incredible. And I've never met anyone quite like that. So I totally understand why David fucking loves her. Because he wanted that he wanted that in that in the show he wanted, he wanted to be around her all the time he wanted Gordon Cole to be around her all the time I think is what it came down to but what's really upsetting is that she should have been portrayed as a much much smarter agent than she was which is why? so why did they do that it would have made it so much better boys. yeah but she she used the word tulpa when they didn't mm-hmm. do you know what I'm saying yeah. like he's straight up I wouldn't have gone on a trip with Gordon and Albert and been like, I'm going to show you what I know. (laughs) Especially if Albert was there to tell me to shut the fuck up. Yeah, right. You know, I would be wildly intimidated. Mm -hmm. So from the perspective of watching it the first time, I really made myself like her right off the bat. You did. I remember. Like, I'm not going to entertain the, she's too sexy to be an FBI agent. I'm like, I'm just going to get rid of that whole narrative mm-hmm. and view her as, number one, she's, like, in her 20s, mm-hmm. lest we forget. She's working with, like, heavy, heavy hitters on something mm-hmm. that she knows is, she knows that this isn't just a regular case. Mm-hmm. And she knows why she was selected. And I and without having read that, I assume that what she specialized in were things that were slightly abnormal. Mm-hmm. But she does now. So <laughs> yeah. in the books, was she... So the, the secret history of Twin Peaks essentially is Gordon gives... Do you guys mind spoilers for the books? No, I don't. Yeah. You're okay. So um, Gordon Cole gives her like a steel box filled with documents for her to go through to learn the case and piece together as much of the history of Twin Peaks as she can, right? Some of the history in this box is incorrect compared to what we know about the show. And there's two possibilities as to why. Either 
the book is in an alternate timeline, like where Carrie is, or the person who compiled the steel box full of information was purposely putting in misinformation to either ward off um, Mr. C having all of the correct information or another entity like Judy having all of the exact information. What doesn't make sense is the type of information that's wrong. Um, and there could be a debate because we find out at the end who compiled the steel box that that person made the mistakes, but it doesn't seem like that's the kind of character who would make mistakes without them being on purpose. So mm-hmm. it's interesting and curious. But essentially what the what the steel box is, is Tammy getting a background and learning everything about Twin Peaks and everything that Cooper went through. So that's what the, the first <laughs> book is. The second book, um, I read it so fast that I don't remember it which is stupid to say, but it's true. But it's, again, from – it's a it's a file that Tammy Preston annotates and puts her final thoughts on at the end, where in her memory of everything that happened, the further away she gets from Twin Peaks, the weaker her memory gets. Because at the end of the return, the end of season three, um, Philip Jeffries tells them that, you know, Gordon's going to remember these events – and Cooper's going to remember the events, but no one else will. So Mark wrote in that she's actually slowly forgetting everything that she knew, which is interesting. So she's working really hard in the final dossier to actually remember everything that happened. And I need to reread it to to f- remember who wrote all the com- all the pieces, because they might be from Gordon. They might be from the other author. But I don't remember. How are you feeling about the dossier, Goldie? Um, I'm more interested in Katie informing me <laughs> on this stuff. That's fine with me because it's not canon. None of the books are yeah. canon, so yeah. they're not important when we talk about the stories or the characters to know what. I like knowing it, but I like that Katie's the authority at this. Yeah, because my interest is not as you both know I guess but to restate that I just want what I have in front of me and that you mm-hmm. made a really good point about like the author is dead mm-hmm. like I need to just I use him as a crutch when it comes to me trying to justify something when truly it's unnecessary mm-hmm. so if I really get rid of the creator and I'm yeah. only have those landscape to look at mm-hmm. That's going to be my formal stance is going to be based on that. However, I love when Katie tells me about it because then I yeah. have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I can't wait to tell you guys about the Twin Peaks football team. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so, Jan and I were on the bus with this kid who told me, he was like, well, one of them ha- has a really good audio book because some of the actors read it. I need a little more Jerry in my life. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, <laughs> that might be really fun. Yeah. What's confusing about the audiobook, though, is that Candy reads as Tammy. <laughs> I know. What? what? <laughs> oh, that's, they don't. <laughs> it's confusing. That's really confusing. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. 
and that Warden Murphy, remember Warden Murphy? You'll you'll catch up with him in a minute, Jenna. And he's he's the guy that keeps Mr. C in federal prison for like a day and a half, oh. and then talks to Mr. He's got the thing with Mr. Strawberry and the dog leg and all yeah. that. Warden Murphy, that actor, is the narrator of the secret history. So hearing his voice then in the TV show was like totally weird, <laughs> totally jarring. So they got some of the same. Obviously, like they did the audiobook around the same time they were booking different people. So it was kind of bizarre going and watching the show and be like, wow, Candy sounds an awful lot like Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's strange. But I'm happy to I'm going to re, I'll reread these and I'm happy to be the sort of, oh, but guess what? In the, the secret history, this happens um, Perfect. because you do learn some cool stuff. And there's some characters that um, I've actually done a little bit of research on because they're like one off characters who I really, really like. Who, when I say to most people who like Twin Peaks, they're like, who? Because it really just excites me. So, like, my brother and I have a have a working theory, kind of like, um, like, Oldie, you have about Diane, about Toad. Because there's actually two Toads. It doesn't make any sense. What? And I know why in the real world it doesn't make any sense. But I'm trying to figure out a way that it makes sense in the reality of Twin Peaks. Do you remember Toad? You're not talking about episode I'm not talking about the frog Toad. Who the hell is Toad? Frog Moth's name is Marsha. Marsha. From Ryan and Katie. Yeah. So the Frog Moth is hatched on the same day that the actress who played Marsha Brady was born. So she's what? called Marsha. <laughs> oh my god! There you go. Oh my That's god! Marcia. And I'm trying to find the thing page in here. So um, Toad is in season two um, when Mt. Wentz comes to visit Twin Peaks. It's Norma's mom. Mm-hmm. So at the the double R. Hank is putting like tablecloths and flowers and stuff all over the yeah. place. And the, um, the DA comes in, Ludwig, and they both think that this guy might be the food critic. And there's a big burly trucker dude eating a cheeseburger. And Hank says, Toad, get in the kitchen, hide. And then a few seconds later, uh, Norma goes into the kitchen, goes, Toad, what are you doing in the kitchen? And kicks him out. And he's in a previous episode as well, where someone just says, oh, more coffee, Toad. So they call this guy Toad, and it's the same. He's not even an actor. He was actually a producer. So that's in season one and two, Toad. In season three, there's the guy in the, in the kitchen, the older gentleman, who in both Fire Walk With Me and in season three is the same cook at the double R. Oh. Right? And in The Missing Pieces, Norma calls him Toad. And in season three, Norma calls him Toad. But he's an older gentleman who, in the reality of Twin Peaks, is the cook before Laura dies. And then the cook, like, 26 years later. But then there's another Toad in between who's younger, who may or may not be his son, but they don't look related at all. So I think... 
this is a theory that I'm working on, so we can do an entire podcast just about Toad. <laughs> oh, God. He was I need also to... on the football team, the Twin Peaks football team, with Harry and Hank and Hawk. They were all on the same football team. Maybe Ed. I'd have to check that. Yeah, Ed was definitely on the football team. Was this something in the books? I don't remember them being on a... So there's one scene that Harry um, comments that him and Hank were on the football team together in high school. Oh, okay. But there is more in the book about the football team and why Harry is so mad at Hank all the time. Because Ooh. Hank threw a championship game. Oh, never my, like Hank. What an asshole. What so an he was always bad. He's just ah oh, the worst. <laughs> so prepare the enormous sleeping around on him. So you know, think about that. <laughs> we don't even know half of what Hank was getting up to, though, do we? No, he's so gross. He's no. so gross. He's like my least favorite part of all the season one. Disgusting. And yet, he's got those puppy dog eyes that Norma falls for for some reason. Don't. Sucking on a domino. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> really <laughs> gross. <laughs> oh, my God. 